0: I should prefer to see the Aborigines and the Indians too. and the Indians. Cool. Cool. This should be the most enlightening. Uh, what makes the
1: Red Man red? red band Teach him all about Red Man.
0: Days, Thanksgiving lies in Columbus Day. Tell me what I know more than the teacher. Tell me what I know more than the preacher. Tell me why you think the red man is red, stained with the blood from the land he bled. Tell me why you think the red man is dead, with the fake headdress on your head. Tell me what you know about thousands of nations displaced and combined to. Camps called reservations We died for the birth of your nation Hollywood portrays us wrong History books say we're gone You got a church say we're wrong We're from the earth
1: Savage does, the white man came and ravaged us Caught genocide, look in my eyes And tell me who you think the savage was Hill, Hill, face. Savages? <laughs>
0: What's best for me to kill a culture America made a mess of me you inherited everything we die for and all we get is a goddamn mascot best best, me best for me to kill a culture America made a mess of me You inherited everything we die for and all we get is a goddamn mascot skin red skins red, red skins, red, red souls, red skins. many moons red men. Welcome to Let's Talk Native. I'm John Kane, and it is Saturday, June 29th. Uh, I want to welcome you to the program. Uh, while this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage and, in some cases, start conversations. We don't do prayers or buffalo speeches. We take a tough look at oppression, history, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. And we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that's heaped upon us. And we do it all right here from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind people that our our audio streams uh, on our website, which is www.letstalknative.com, we stream video of this show on Facebook Live. So if you want to catch us on on, on live streaming videos, you can catch us on, on a whole variety of facebook uh, group pages that we share the show to we take the audio and we uh post it up on soundcloud which puts it up as a podcast on your favorite podcast platforms and we take the video of the show and we put that on our youtube channel which is let's talk native tv so you can check out video of the show Uh, and you can check out some of our short form video videos as well as well as um the videos from some of the things i do in new york city my show and in fact this week we we posted up um uh, video of the event that I host monthly down in, in New York, which featured uh, Laura Coogee and uh, Jeff Doreen singing Beatles tunes in Mohawk, some uh, spoken word performance by Laura as well. And uh, it was it was a good event, and so you can catch some of that video. We also broke out a few of the individual performances, um, both from them being on my show, and we'll break out a few more individual uh, 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 bits that they did, in uh, tracks that they did from uh, the live event at the Brooklyn Commons. So, um, got you know, a couple of things we're going to talk about here in, in studio. And, uh, of course, I've got Ed Schindler back in studio. So um, um, it's good to have Ed back, and we'll, we'll, we'll chew the fat with him a little bit. But I do have to address something, and, and it's, it's one of those things that gets repeated. Um, actually, sometimes out of New York, it, it, it is, uh, it's one of the things that I get confronted with. And it's this notion that somehow I'm an angry person uh that I'm angry and I'm hateful and that I that I hate all white people and uh, what else is it that I hate um uh, just a whole oh yeah even the flag behind me somebody actually referred to it as a symbol of hate all right I guess we we need to explain what hate is because I am not an angry person I'm actually a pretty good natured person I have a great relationship with the with the people who know me if you hear me say something that offends you and you interpret that as hate, then maybe you need to to listen a little bit more closely, because what I talk about is behavior that I find um, offensive, uh, and and some of that behavior I will go so far as to say that I hate it, and and some of that behavior is it fits is like racism, um, abuse of women, abuse of children. I hate those things. Now, do I hate the people who who um who ha- uh, you know uh, practice that behavior? That's even a stretch because I think all people are redeemable. I think there are people who do who behave badly, um, and they they adopt certain behaviors that perhaps if they're called up, called out on it, they'll change. I mean, there there is this whole notion of redemption. In fact, if you go back to our story of uh, the Gondowida, the, the peacemaker, the whole story is based on the redemption of Taradaho, who's who's cast as the villain in the story who is is such an evil person he causes the death of hiowenta's daughters and, and and it isn't about hating uh, taladaho it is a it's about trying to comb the snakes from his hair right Ch- straighten the crooks of his body uh, uh, helping him redeem himself and so we create a specific uh, a specific position for taladaho or Aradaho, depending on who, whose language you're using we we create a a specific position for that one title, which is one that not only is responsible, as, as Ed always reminds us, for creation, but is also responsible for the assembly of a Grand Council. He isn't represented by a clan. In fact, that's a clanless title. The person who, who sits in that title is no longer has a clan mother. It is not, it, it, it is the only of, of the 59 titles, it is the only one that's not that associated with a family. Because it is a specific title, so that's how that's how we not only in the story of the Gondowida or, or the Peacemaker do we demonstrate the redemption of of an evil a truly evil man, but we not only assist him in that re, a, a redemption, we we reward his redemption with a, you know, and we could argue whether it was just about appeasing an ego the ego of a man or, or whatever, but regardless, that's what we've done here. So the idea that that I express um my loathing for racism and, and look, and i I know that I, I say it all the time. racism's a white thing. That's not the same thing as me saying that all white people are racist. It's, I'm just saying that the white the the, the race that is defi- or, or the as people define race, white people are uh, have cast themselves. As the dominant race, and has used this culture of domination to uh, to you know to, to subdue um, and, and subjugate others. Well, that's just a matter of history. That's just a matter of fact. So I think to, to to talk about racism and and have anybody always assume that I hate white people because I talk about racism? No, I hate the idea of, of racism. I hate the I hate the even the designation of trying to say that, I mean, there's no real uh, genetic um, justification for even saying that, that there's, the even defining the distinctions of racism. I mean, obviously, there's skin color issues, and we could also pick on eye color or hair color or straight or curly hair. We can do all kinds of other things, things if we want to distinguish people from each other. But But to suggest that there's genetic superiority, which is what racism is about. Racism isn't the same as bias, like racial bias, and I talk about this all the time. You know, the difference between racial bias is when we look at somebody who we think is ethnically or racially different than us and we don't like them. Well that's not the same thing as saying we're genetically superior, or just not liking somebody doesn't put you in a position of power over them. That's what racism is about. So when I when I talk about you know, my loathing or my, my hatred for, for racism. That's not the same thing as saying I look, some of my favorite people in the world are white people. They really are. I mean, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying, well, you know, I have a white friend, so that means that you no, know, this isn't the whole black friend turned on and turned on its head. No, I look some I I do not hate white people. I don't even hate white privilege what i what i don't like is the fact that white privilege most of the time comes at the expense of others that's where it's problematic so i you know i really have to you know uh, again check people the flag behind me i know it's it's the warrior flag it's the dreaded warrior flag no it's not i mean i know it's called that but when uh, the, the man who designed it designed it as a unity flag he used a a symbol which is the sun which is, is is something that all cultures at some level all cultures have done some level of acknowledgment if not worship to the sun the power of the sun look our lives depend on it and and it and it is the center of our existence we revolve around the sun you know orbit around the sun so but the sun to us we, we've always referred to the sun as our eldest brother you know and whether you want to call him a warrior or not and we talk about him as uh, in the male uh in the male gender because the sun like men in our in our culture travel it travels from from the it rises in the east and sets in the west and that was more of a of a male characteristic to, and a function of me, of men to to travel and 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 to be a, be on the road and and go travel from community to community so The symbol is not just a son, but of a male figure. And the male figure is generic. It's not one feather to represent a Seneca. And it's not a misnomer to say, well, that's the Mohawk flag and they got it wrong. They didn't give them three feathers. No, the reason Louis Hall designed the flag with with one feather was to be a more generic representation of a male figure. Because many, many native uh, cultures utilize feathers as some symbol of adornment. Whether it was for labeling, which I think we go a little over the top with the whole one feather, two feather, or one feather, three feather, one feather up, two feathers down, all that stuff. Look, I, I know that that, that there's, that's a general um, principle, but you know, I, I think we we place like an ownership or something on that stuff. But uh, so no, it's not a symbol of hate. It has become a symbol, and it was intended to be a symbol of unity, but it has become a symbol of resistance. And I think it's important that people understand there's a difference between resistance uh, and and calling out and, and fighting injustice and hating. And, and I think that, uh, look, and I, I don't make any apologies for me being a strong voice against these things. But it, it is a complete mischaracterization to suggest that I am a hateful person, that I am an angry person. Do I, will I stand up? Absolutely I will. But most of the time, anybody who knows me knows that i'm a reasonable uh an easy person to talk to and i'm willing to um to have a conversation even if i feel strongly about something i'm not going to be dismissive or disrespectful to somebody who has a different opinion i want to break it apart a little bit i want to i'm not trying to empathize necessarily but i am trying to understand i'm not trying to become somebody else and so when I talk about the things that I talk about, look, I don't hate the fact that native people have have enlisted in the armed forces, but I, I do talk about how how it you know how you know how it is inconsistent with our culture. I don't hate the fact that native people have adopted Christianity or any other belief systems. I I you know I don't I don't hate people who've run for office. I don't hate people who voted in, you know. I don't even hate people who could be labeled categorically as sellouts or completely assimilated. You know what? I don't hate people. They've adopted, you know, perhaps um, a a belief system or um, a path that they think serves them well. And we can debate that too. How well it's, I'm not sure how well some of that path serves anybody. But anyway, I wanted to address this issue, um, and I wanted to address address it strongly. Um, but but again, I want people to be, you know understand that I am neither consumed by hate nor a hateful or angry person. I'm actually good natured. Uh, you know, look, even on this program, I try to smile a lot. I mean, maybe people think I'm just faking it. I don't know, but uh, no, I am. I am a good natured, um, very supportive um and g- generous person with my time and with with my efforts i mean um, so again i'm not trying to brag myself up but uh, i will say that i think characterizing me as an angry or hateful person is just wrong but i will engage somebody in a spirited debate on on the issues that i feel strongly about and so you know um uh, we'll leave that there so again let me now introduce my my friend uh, uh ed schindler to Back to let's talk native. It's been it's been a while, uh, so I'm glad to uh, to have you back. I, I I picked you up at the airport uh, the yeah. the other night. Uh, w- w- uh, you helped my helped me um, have an all nighter that night. Yeah. Not only to pick you up at the airport late in the evening, but when I got you home, I had to turn around and go back and catch my train to uh, yeah. um, uh, to uh, to New York. So that's that's the way we did that. So anyway, Ed, uh, I I don't know if you want to weigh in on any of the stuff that I talked about, but uh, certainly I'd like to give you. Uh, you know, a chance to uh, reintroduce yourself and uh, and welcome you back to Let's Talk Native.
1: I think it's important for people to understand uh, some concepts that have been forgotten or or some things that people have left out as as of importance. And it it it's really important to understand things such as stirring the ashes, to to understand to to be part of and start the fire again in order for people to understand where things stand in, in their world, in their thoughts, okay? And then understand how they got that. Because that's just understanding yourself, okay? Understanding other people is will be helpful, but you have to understand yourself first. And that is a, of a great importance. And people have to realize that that was a basic uh, foundation of the culture of the Haudenosaunee because the people had to learn how to communicate and they did so because in order to do that they had to be able to understand where they where they were coming from. That's important because the reason that was being done was the 7th generation and we have to keep that in mind and understand things. That's uh, I think of a great importance because it, um, it really helps to understand things if we understand why we're doing things.
0: Well, and, and, and again, I think people sometimes uh, misinterpret what that, that concept is about the seven generations. And, and it isn't the, – the, the main message with this concept of, of being aware of our um, responsibility uh, to those faces we will never see is that we do – first thing is do no harm. I mean it's it's not like we're trying to prepare the world for the faces we're never going to see. We're we're we have a responsibility to do no harm. And it's to make sure that when we do make decisions that we do consider the impact of those decisions that are, that that are that impact not only on us and on on the the next generation or the two or three generations that we may see our children or grandchildren but the generations that um uh that we will never see. So when we when we understand that we all of a sudden we, we take a different approach to to what what we're willing to sacrifice during our lifetime because we understand that that sacrifice what we're what we're willing to destroy on, on the planet what we're willing to um uh, the the permanent changes that we not only uh, um adopt to our people or with our people and our family um they may be hard to recover uh, for future generations. And so if we, if we don't take those in- things into consideration, then we're absolutely not uh, being the responsible human beings that we should be.
1: Hmm. I think uh, all of that comes down to learning how to learn because that takes communication. It also takes you have to do, you carry it out, experience. It's not just learning how to remember something. It's actually learning how to do it. And well and again
0: I always say the the difference between um beliefs and um knowledge is that beliefs are something that that somebody teaches you to remember and then then you adopt what somebody else told you. But knowledge is what you experience. So I'm not saying that somebody can't um teach you something and 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 plant something in your head so that when you experience that when when you cross that bridge and and you say oh that's what somebody else taught me about. they taught I was taught about this. So now mm-hmm. that belief can become experience, but oftentimes we can we can put a a, a certain level of value and almost a, uh, you know too much value on on a belief, and not even uh, really appreciate the fact that sometimes those beliefs are in com- in conflict with what we what we experience. And this is that cognitive dissonance that I talk about. We have to understand that that look some things just have to make sense. In, in the world that we live in, and then we have to, again, when we, we take into consideration the seven generations, understand that, well, all right, that makes sense for me today, but will it have, you know, what will be the impact be in the mm-hmm. future? And I think that's, you know, I mean, you, and you mentioned the stirring of the ashes. The whole idea of stirring the ashes is is, is about getting people to participate. Yes. getting Getting people to understand and not not either be marginalized and, and let their opinions or, uh, you know, again, when we stir ashes, what we do is we, um, we almost reignite um, the colder embers, right? When we stir the ashes, we, you know, we'll we, we air, get to, get, get to some of those, those embers that have gone cold, that have gone dark. So there's two things that we do with that. One is that we, we make sure those people who we haven't heard from or seen now have light. And, and we and we we try to draw some of that uh, from them, and we, and we 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 try to express a value in uh, in their participation in in their opinions. Now the other thing that the flip side of that is, we oftentimes see people who will will stand back, and they'll never weigh in. They'll they'll you know even when they have an opportunity to speak up, they don't, and then you'll hear them bitch about things later on, right? They'll 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 complain. Well, yeah. Uh, you know I wasn't a part of that decision. Yeah, but you were in the room. I mean, I hear people say that here in the Seneca Nation for instance. I hear people say, "Well, I didn't vote for that person." Yeah, but you participate in the process. You you may complain about the Seneca Nation, but you put your cash, your check you know, each each month that you get. I mean, so I mean, there's at some level it, it isn't enough just to complain. It's about being a part of a process. And you know what? The process, I don't mean just the political process. I mean the community process. So when I talk about decolonization or when I talk about resistance, I'm not just saying resistance isn't, isn't just about identifying the enemy and taking on that enemy. Resistance is saying, no, I identify the problem. And the problem is something that we need to confront. Or, if not, maybe confront sounds too antagonistic. I don't know. If not confront, it's it, the problem is something we have to work to resolve. <laughs> or to come up with some Means to mitigate a problem you know or to get get through a problem because you know, look there, there's some things that happen in life that that are unsolvable, just like there are some things in life that are unknowable, but we find a way to to get through the problems that we that we can solve and the problems that we can 't solve and i 'm not just saying we pack it away and, and we hide it or cover it up, but we find a way to get through it, and sometimes we do you know, we just ignore our problem. And so we think we've, we've gotten past it, but it comes back to haunt us. You know, I, I, when we talk about substance abuse, for instance, look, the opiate, you know, problem is, is a very real problem, but it's not new. Look, we, we could attribute some of the same consequences, including death, with, with the alcohol problems that, that plagued our, you know, our people since white men used it as a weapon against us. And 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 I'm sorry but that's that's the truth it was used it was used as a as a weapon uh against our people and so substance abuse and addiction is not just new i mean it gets a lot of um the reason the opioid uh, <laughs> problem gets so much attention now is because white people have to confront it i mean look it did, you know, crack cocaine didn't get the attention that uh, you know that the op- opioid problem does. Why? Because oh, we could we could tr- attribute black uh, black people and crack cocaine together. Yeah, well, that's not our problem. So you know alcoholism. If you can just look at Native people, and say yeah, Native people are just a bunch of drunks. Well, now you 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 can cast that whole notion of alcoholism and, and that kind of substance abuse on the other. But all of a sudden, with between pharmacies, you know. Uh, administering or, or doctors, I should say, prescribing uh, you know these these oxycontin and all these you know other uh, opioids uh, and then there being a cheap um, way to to not only take heroin but with fentanyl and and uh, mm-hmm. mix with it. now you've got this deadly combination, and you know what it started affecting not just it wasn't just black people and brown people now now it was now it was white people who ha- were having this problem. So now it's like, oh, we need we need to treat it with uh, you know as um, we need compassion and 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 we we have to treat you know the op- opioid addiction. But it's funny, you didn't have a problem locking up uh, you know uh, Native people and Black people and Brown people, you know, when it was crack cocaine or when it was you know alcohol abuse or marijuana, and, yeah, or, or marijuana for that matter. So I, I think it, it's about putting things in its proper perspective, I guess, and that and and that's part of the conversation I'm not trying to hate on anybody but I'm just saying eh, maybe we need to have a broader look at some of these things I, that's that's my view mm-hmm.
1: my view is simply um, like we said Cerny ashes is bringing people to participate and to in participating that's an actual uh, experience it's not just hearing people it's experiencing and in doing so we learn mm-hmm. and we can learn some things that we can do as a people and uh that's i think something that we all have to learn
0: well and the yeah. other thing is the more participation you, you have in a problem uh you know it 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 forces us to um to own the the problem a little bit you know and it also means look if we, maybe we don't come up with a with a good solution maybe we maybe collectively you know even as we reach consensus on an issue we're wrong and you know what we have been wrong, I mean, and I don't want to suggest native people got everything right. We did some of the same mistakes that that white people did. We created urban centers and we we had environmental problems because of it. when you pack you know a hundred thousand people into a community you've got to figure out how to how to de- deal with waste how you have to deal with you know with getting enough fuel for you know for for your fire or getting enough food for your people. We did some of those same mistakes and we and we did those things collectively so i 'm not suggesting that when you when you stir the ashes you're you 're always going to come up with the, with the right answer, but the likelihood is when you use the collective thoughts and, and you bring people's minds together you're you 're more than likely going to come up with a better solution for a problem than than if you try to impose a solution on people and that's kind of mm-hmm. where we come back to this the conversation about resistance for me i don't like the idea of having um somebody else who hasn't been successful at, at fixing a problem try to impose their methodologies for, for a solution to that problem mm-hmm. and, and I think that's where we come back to so you know I, I think these are all I think using some of these metaphors or, or, and some of these pr- principles that are ours stirring the ashes seven generations some of these things that we that have been a part of our, our history and our culture and our, and our ideology I think that they, that they, they are still valuable and, I, and if we don't begin to understand that some of the solutions that have been imposed upon us were never really meant to be solutions in the first place. I mean, let, let's face it. The, the first thing that our people co- were confronted with was this notion that white people thought we were, were, we were animals. We were primitive at some level. I mean, and, and because of that, they thought the first thing they had to do was, was to, to break – um, and, and rip away the, our, character, our, our our cultural or our national character so're going we 're going to do away with this heathenism and this paganism and we 're going to impose the bible on you we 're going to um, uh, not let you live off the land the way you have we 're going to teach mm-hmm. you how to farm our way, even though apparently you, you farm fine without us but're we 're going to make you do it a different way we 're going to make you you know eat a different diet. One that we can, we can put you on a smaller plot of land, and you know, throw a bunch of pigs in a pen, and tell you that's what you got to eat. Well, you know, no, you you don't need you know, um, a, a, you know, a thousand acres to you know to to um, uh, to hunt buffalo or or, or deer or buy bis- you know whatever else. You don't need to do those things. We're gonna manage you in a way that's going to um, um, make your land available to uh, for the taking, and um, make you. Uh, not necessarily self-sufficient but you know dependent on uh, on a system that we impose upon you i mean and that, and, that, and that's a reality all right we're at the bottom of the hour so we'll, we'll take a break when we come back again we got ed schindler in studio and uh yeah, we're trying to dispel some of the the myth about hate and uh and and bring bring some other uh, other ideas to the to the table this is john kane with ed schindler and this is let's talk native So calm to me.
1: Loving the water is comes so naturally.
0: It's a gift from my mother. We can't deny. The day we lose it is the
1: day that's the day we die. Sense is death, it should have never been. No more sense.
0: coming back. This is John Kane. I've got Ed Schindler in studio. Hey, a um, uh, couple things. First, uh, uh, let me go ahead and thank our sponsors. Uh, I want to thank Ross and Holly John and the RJE Family of Businesses, Eric White and ERW Enterprises. Um, you know, there, there's another sponsor out there who uh, chooses to remain anonymous, I guess, or doesn't doesn't want the praise for it. Um, but I always feel like I can't leave that out. As I don't want to pretend there isn't another sponsor, even if I don't need to... Uh, Give them the props for it. Uh, I will say I, I I do welcome those of you who, on occasion, make a contribution to the to the show, or uh, whether you send a send a check in, or or you know, or however you do it, um, I do appreciate you know, those of you who step up from time to time. Uh, it it helps. Look, we have those guys who do something every week or every month, and they help us, you know, pay the bills and you know uh, keep enhancing a little bit what. The, the product that we're trying to deliver here but uh you know every time somebody does uh, even you know the, the smallest of uh gestures to to sp- help support the show it all helps we we put it to good use here so i want to thank thank all of you for that um i also want to thank those of you who who share the show whether you share the podcast or the videos um whether you share the 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 video of live streaming on facebook uh, i want to give special props to my wife for sharing uh sharing the show on a bunch of Facebook group pages, but I also want to thank those of you who are administrators to those pages that allow us to uh, to share the show on there. So that's how we we spread the conversation and and in some places, you know, like like today or even last uh, the last show when I talked about decolonization not being this scorched earth policy that we're re- recommending. I think it, it, we, it gives us an, o- an opportunity to, to provide some clarity and and a better explanation because sometimes things get gets mis uh, mischaracterized. So uh, again thanks for the support and thanks for uh giving us an opportunity to to, to spread our message um look i also want to thank uh laura Kuji and jeff doreen for making the trip to new york uh they not only appeared on my show uh let's talk on wbai but uh we hosted an event at the brooklyn commons which is on the ground floor of the building that our, our radio studio is on um and we we had a we had a really nice nice time we've uh we've posted some of the video of of their performance on our youtube channel so by all means check it out uh uh, Jake's going to further break out some of the the individual uh, songs and, and pieces that Laura and Jeff did, uh, so we can share them on their pages as well. Uh, interesting thing that happened, and and I and I mentioned this before, but um, so Jeff translated Blackbird. It was the first song that he that he translated. Maybe we'll we'll even go out with Blackbird here. Um, Jeff translated Blackbird like in six or seven years ago, and it's the first Beatles tune that he translated into Mohawk, and, um, and he's performed it, and, you know, he recorded, in fact, we've got a great recording that he did right in our WBAI studios, um, and of course, you know, he's, you know, he's performed it on our stages, uh, at the Brooklyn Common uh, a few times, and, you know, and he's gotten probably, uh, 6,000, you know, shares and views, and, uh, you know, and and people have seen it, but then, uh, Emma Stevens, who is Mi'kmaq, um, uh. Did a video and and of Blackbird in you know that was translated into Mi'kmaq. I don't know if she translated it or somebody else did, but but she performed it, um, and it was a well produced video. Obviously, she she had some you know some support and some backing you know th- to do the thing, and um, and that one's gotten almost a million views. Now, look, I don't begrudge the fact that uh, that Emma's um, video got a, bu- a bunch of you know, attention. And I understand that that part of it is look, she's you know she's an attractive young lady, um, and that kind of increases the appetite for consumption on social media. So I get that. Um, but even Paul McCartney was aware of Emma's performance of Blackbird and mentioned it on stage in, at one of his concerts. And um, you know, and I just the whole idea that that you know that Jeff hasn't gotten the. Um, the, the notoriety that, that, say, Emma Stevens has gotten. Um, I, I find that a little bit, you know, uh, unfair, I guess. And and it's not to begrudge her. She did a great job, and, and I think her version of a Blackbird is... I encourage you to check it out. But um, let's not ignore the fact that, that Jeff's done a great job, and he's been doing not only this song, but many other Beatles songs, including, you know, some he did Across the Universe, a great John Lennon song. Um, so I... I and I can sympathize with that because there are some issues that I talk about here, like doctrine of discovery, that I don't get nearly the hits that say, you know, <laughs> I hate to bring up Mark Charles's name, but uh, I've got to. I mean, there, I mean, he, he's out, you know, he's gets, he's doing TED talks, he's, you know, he's putting video after video after video, and he's got tens of thousands of views. And guys like myself, even 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 Newcomb doesn't get, hasn't gotten the notoriety. That this guy has got so it's like it, it doesn't even make sense. Especially since guys like Mark Charles, even on the show, says, "Look, I've got to give all props to, to Stephen Newcomb because he's the one who who taught him, you know, through his book." Although he seemed to kind of miss the subject a little bit, but anyway, I mean, uh, look, I don't begrudge people who have success on social media. Um, frankly, you know, guys like myself or, or even um, even Jeff Doreen, I don't think we're trying to get we're compete against squirrel videos or kitten videos. I, I, we're not trying to get a bunch of people to think that we're cute or attractive. You know, oftentimes we're we're trying to make a statement with what we're doing. And even even Jeff's, um, I mean, Jeff understands where Blackbird came from. When when Paul McCartney wrote the song, um, the the idea of referring to uh, it, it was common in England to refer to a woman as a bird, and, and, and nothing wrong with that. It was nothing derogatory about it, and. The song "Blackbird" was about his encouraging black women to take their broken wings and learn to fly. I mean, this was an encouragement to uh, to oppressed women, but black women in particular. And so that was also part of what uh, what Jeff talks about when when he does when he performs the song. He says, "Look, I share that message. It isn't just that it's that it's an appealing song. There's a message behind it. So um, again, we we get that, and and we're trying to share that message so you know look we we love the good work that guys like McCartney and Lennon did uh, in, in with music and in the in the messaging and and again I I applaud the work of uh, that Emma did in in um getting a, a a Mi'kmaq uh version of the song and and doing a fine job performing it uh, just just remember that there there are other people that are delivering the message as well so anyway I, I wanted to get that out there all right uh Ed we talked um uh Before the break, a little bit about uh you know racism and and you mentioned during the break that it 's important that people understand that that racism while it 's an ideology that that some people um adopt in spite of all the evidence that suggests that there is no racial superiority uh genetic superiority but because it becomes a uh an ideology. They can make it into something by by skewing the systems that that can favor one race or or one you know, segment of society over another. But beyond the ideology is the are the the racist acts that people commit. And you, and you talk, you said, well, you know, racism isn't just a just isn't just a belief. It is it it is a it is an action. And you're right. Although what I will say, and uh, and and we talked about this during the break, I think there are people who may that I wouldn't characterize as you know blatant racist that still do racist things i mean uh, you know, and and i think this is a conversation that needs to be had and the reason for having the conversation is to kind of distinguish the difference between the ignorance of racism and the willful ignorance of racism because it is entirely possible because of the the conditions that people were were raised in they can you know adopt a racist behavior never fully grasping the damage that it causes or or, or or that it is a racist behavior. But once you enlighten somebody and you explain some, to, something to somebody, you, you teach them that a phrase or an expression or or a specific act or the view that people have of, of people of color is, is skewed based on this systemic nature of racism, then you can you, that's when you can begin to separate the people who once they are, they learn they say oh yeah you know you're right I mean I I talk about the doll test in the past right yes and and this whole idea that even black children because of the of society when they're presented you know so when you take a 4 year old child regardless of color when you put a, a black doll and a white doll in front of them and you ask what's the good doll invariably they choose the white doll because it's already been ingrained in their head that somehow being black is not as good as being white, and even the black children. So, you know, when people ask, you know, say we, when we talk about you know cops, and and the fact that you know that death by cop is sometimes at the hands of a black cop, for, for even for a black man. Well, that's because they have been ingrained with this notion, and until you can begin to educate people, and say, look, there's a bias. There's a bias that that we have been that's been imposed upon us by society, but once you become aware of it, then now you can begin to adjust your behavior. Look, even though it it, it may be ingrained and embedded in you, you if you can make a conscious effort to not exploit white privilege or not exploit you know a, a racist ideology, it sometimes it's hard. I mean, and and look. <laughs> You'll hear it slip out of people all the time, right? I mean, you'll hear people say yes. an expression, or um, you know, we, we can be self-deprecating, right? We can look at our own people and 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 view them as somehow less. I mean, we, we talked about this before, right? Look mm-hmm. look at how so many of these nations will will defer to their their hired lawyers and lobbyists and consultants. Yes. Be- why? Because because they're white professionals. And even if they're even if they're native, they have been shaped by the by the white profession. So we'll put a higher value on uh, on white people because we're still we're still laden with this idea that we that we're somehow inferior.
1: Hmm. There's um, the one that you mentioned also was. Um, he, he's off the reservation, or he's way that off expression, the reservation. Yeah. yeah. And people don't seem to understand that. I hear that on news programs. I hear it on sports programs. And people don't realize that that was actually a saying, because the um, United States passed a law stating that if any Native Americans were caught off the reservation, they were they could be uh, legally eliminated. Killed. They,
0: well, they were. They would be labeled as hostiles.
1: Hostiles. Because if you
0: were hostile, then you were fair game for uh you know your prey mm-hmm. yeah, and and uh, again we can go back to the idea of scalping and and taking uh you know uh taking native uh, native scalps that was all part of that whole idea because a, a a native person who was off the reservation was automatically viewed as a as an enemy combatant
1: and he could be eliminated
0: and and Legally. that was considered a, a, a wild or undisciplined. So when when they use that expression, when when white people, when talking heads on the news use it, they when they say, "Well, somebody went off the reservation," it means they didn't conform. It means that they have broken out of what is socially acceptable, and that they have, you know, and now they are considered um, unruly, and that's that. So. That is a very racist commentary to make, and yet talking heads say it all the time.
1: Yes. They still say it. And the person is acting wild. Why? Because he's trying to get back to the reservation. So he can't be killed, legally at least. Okay? Yeah. So he's scrambling to get back, and that's why they're talking about he's he's wild off the, he's way off the reservation. You
0: know, Or, or, or they said, no, I'm not going to be contained. You know, let's face it. These reservations were like prison camps you know we hear a lot of talk about concentration camps now right with the with these children that are being you know mm-hmm. uh, oppressed at the border and that kind of stuff but and you know and, and and I hear people say it all the time well the concentration camps were uh were built for the you know, for japanese internment and uh they actually had concentration camps for for any variety of uh, of immigrants that came to uh you know to this hemisphere but the <laughs> you know the the real model for concentration camps came from from what they do with native people literally imprisoning us on uh, on what they called reservations and most of the time when they referred to a reservation it was lands that they reserved that the federal government reserved for for placing native people on those territories you know of course we hear when even although we don't use we're we're not quite comfortable with the use of that term reservation when we do use it, we're talking about lands that we reserve for ourselves. These are these are the lands that we did not cede legally or Ill- illegally or, or have defrauded from us. So, um, yeah, I mean, and that that is a, a classic example of a, of a racist commentary, um, that or, or or phrase that is uh, that is used all the time. And again, you wouldn't hear somebody talk about somebody, you know, um, oh yeah, he's off the plantation. You wouldn't hear that. And, and again, I'm not. Be- begrudging my my black brothers and sisters but you know fortunately there is a better um uh, it's easier to distinguish what is a racist comment when it's uh, associated with, with black people than with native people because there's a, i say this all the time there's a there's a, a distinction in the racism that native people feel and there's almost a level of acceptance about referring to native people as um you know with derogatory terms like like redskin or or, or savage, or you
1: know, like Trump uses Pocahontas,
0: yeah, or making you know, even using you know a basic name as as an insult. I mean, we're going to come up here. It's look, we're the the last days of uh, of June here, and you know, of course, the the first holiday of July is uh, for the United States is celebrating their Independence Day, and last year it's kind of funny. One of the things that happened last year, because of the, the the standards, the community standards, you know that that Facebook has, some people had posted the phrase on the Declaration of Independence that referred to Native people as merciless Indian savages, and it got flagged by Facebook. They said no, with, uh, with, uh, they actually blocked some people. Not only did they did they pull the the post down, they blocked people for posting language from their Declaration of Independence and is it a racist comment of course it is but it, it, this is where it gets into conflict i mean that's look there there's plenty of things in the u.s constitution and the in the in the foundational documents of the united states including the declaration of independence that are blatantly racist and they're untrue because here's one of the things that always gets missed and i'm probably going to talk about this on my show in new york this uh, uh this coming week because i'm i'm actually going to be in new york on the fourth of july I mean, think about it. You know, the 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 context that they use this um, this statement, this uh, that native, you know, are referring to us as merciless Indian savages. The context of that that phrase was was condemning uh, the king of England, who basically saying that he has, um, you know, riled up merciless Indian uh, merciless Indian savages to to cause. Danger for the, for the colonists on their on the frontiers, which wasn't true. I mean, the United States. I mean, the the, the colonists were trying to um, elicit help from from native peoples too. And and in fact, the Six Nations got caught in the middle of of much of this. But the fact of the matter is, the biggest thing that that uh, that the King of England was trying to do was to stop the conflicts uh, that native people or that that colonists were in were engaging with native people they with that whole royal proclamation of uh, 1768 was to say no we don't want you going into native territory that is native territory stay out of it that was part of the reasons for the war because the because the colonists said hell no we're not gonna let the king of england tell us we can't we can't kill indians we can't steal more of their land which is kind of look and i'm not saying trying to sing the praises of great britain Look, we—they screwed us over pretty good as well, but the context of, of Jefferson using the calling us merciless Indian savages was again. This was let the facts be submitted to a to a candid world. Right, that's the whole basis of the of the Declaration. We're going to make our case for what that mean old England is doing to us, and they're they're seeking the the, the merciless Indian savages on us, whose methods of warfare are you know are, are just a you know. A heinous crime, right? That's what. That's the context of it. So, anyway, I mean, when it, when we talk about some of these racist expressions, I mean, I, it's interesting. You know, just a just an aside. Um, the Supreme Court of the United States, which I oftentimes weigh in on, because not only do we have people like Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, who cites like the doctrine of Christian discovery in, in a case against the Onitis, but there, there are three cases, uh, two of which the, the Supreme Court ruled upon, um, and uh, they ruled uh, that gerrymandering um, for, for politics, for political party gerrymandering, that there's nothing in the Constitution that forbids it. Of course, there's nothing in the Constitution that forbids gerrymandering. That's what the whole three fifths of a slave of, of a man thing was was about. The idea that you could that they were going to give Southern states political representation. Based on their slaveholding, and we're they're going to give them uh, we're going to give you three fifths of a man credit for the for all the slaves that you have. Of course, they're never going to vote, and they won't really be representative. We're just going to let we're going to we're again we're going to gerrymander. You know this idea of 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 a racist states are going to get a disproportionate number of race, uh, of representation in Congress. Uh, so of course the, uh, um, you know what the Constitution doesn't forbid uh, kitty porn either, but. That should not be the only test on whether something is right or wrong, because there's plenty that's wrong in the in the U.S. Constitution. Now, the other two cases, by the way, was um, uh, they did rule on a on a case um, whether they could put a citizenship question on the uh, on the census, and um, and in in a five four ruling, they they ruled against that. And Trump's still figuring out how he can how he can do that to you know to try to skew the census. The other case that didn't get heard was. Um, was a case involving uh, uh, native territories, and and again, this idea that uh, that uh, the federal government is trying to stop native people from being able to reclaim lands and that kind of stuff, and they they actually said, no, we're not going to rule on that. We're going to make them re-argue the whole case next year. Ah, there you go, there you go. The the, the disproportionate um, uh, uh, you know view that these these courts have, and and let's let's be honest here. We haven't done well in the Supreme Court, even with the so-called liberal justices. And, you know, I, I encourage people to look at the, the, the my video, Legally Invalid, which is uh, what I call the RBG on the DOD, Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Doctrine of Discovery. Uh, I encourage people to take a look at it. it it's, it's one of my more popular videos. And I think it, it, it is clear and gets to the point. And, uh, and I encourage people to not only watch the video, understand it, look up some of the information... Again, I say this all the time about this show and, and about the, the opinions that I express and, and, and the facts that I put out there. Don't take my word for it. Look it up. You know, f- find out some of this stuff for yourself. And, uh, and once you hear something, you can either um, learn more about it and figure out how that what, – what you learned can, can shape your experience going forward. And that's how information becomes knowledge because information that is just fed to you doesn't make you any wiser unless you know how to use that information uh you know to to help you in your decision making
1: Hmm. yeah that's uh <laughs> i think it's very important for people to start understanding how to learn i can't can't emphasize that more because um you take a look at the education system in the u.s and it's basically just um memorization memorization and and having people recite what they've been told to recite.
0: Yeah, and, and, and because of that, it becomes very indoctrinating in terms of shaping how people view things. And, you know, the, we what should be encouraged in terms of education is creativity. You mm-hmm. know, and, and it's funny because, you know, you oftentimes, even using their metric for success, some of the most successful people are the ones who studied music. Yes. Or or perhaps did did some other things that um that allowed and even even though music is pretty much shaped it 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 it, it lights up a different part of the brain, you know the mm-hmm. creative side of the brain and so i mean this is this is what we should encourage that's what we should encourage a, a, as native people the creative side of our people, and not just um problem solving you shouldn't say well here's the equation that solves the problem no, we should encourage people to develop the equations to develop the, uh, the, the problem-solving capabilities, because that's what education really is. Education is about problem-solving.
1: And then there's even the point where here's what we can do to prevent that problem. Instead of just having to solve it, we can p- learn how to prevent things.
0: Proactive versus reactive. And, and again, you know, if you understand that, that a problem may be looming, that perhaps it isn't, you know, look at, look at the, the climate change issues. People have been looking at uh, understanding that climate change was a, was a real problem for years, and now they they've they they've kind of you know ridden this thing off a cliff, and they're now now people are being forced to figure out well how do we, how do we adapt to climate change now how do they prevent climate change now we're figuring out how to re, how to recover for it I mean even local things like uh, like the state trying to figure out what they're going to do with the flooding in uh, on Lake Ontario, uh, you know Lockport and some of these places. There, look, it's you drove it off a cliff, so of course you're going to have a, a you know a, a changing water level. You're going to have more and more flooding, and that's a lake. That's not even talking about uh, uh, the ocean, the the rising currents of the seas. So, anyway, Ed, I want to thank you for for joining me. I, uh, um, I suspect you'll be you'll be with us here for a while, and uh, yeah. we can have you with every show. All right, and so. Yep. Uh, well, I I, I appreciate your, the fact that you're back, and I know uh, you know those who view the show and listen to the show will appreciate uh, you weighing in. We didn't necessarily have a a, a firm topic this time. We, you know, I wanted to address the hate issue, but um, going forward, we'll we'll have a little bit more prep, and we'll we'll be able to have a a, a good debate on some of these issues going forward. I want to thank you for listening. This is John Kane with Ed Schindler, and this is Let's Talk Native. We'll see you in a few days.
1: Nearly She dancer of your nada te So dance and who says Joe or CJ So headjay Neck nice at Scar again, Satkato Sun Haj Leknessare Hare Sadio